Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you all. Thanks for worshiping with us. Hey, if I didn't say it to you this morning on your way in, I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> Thanks. Today, we are continuing our series, and we're talking about worship, or worship, or warship, if you're from downstate. It's the act of singing in church, and what is that about? And we've been, we've been working through the series. Before we get to more on that, though, I, I want to consider God's word on this. Um, and so I have a reading for you from the book of Colossians. If you have been uh, with us this fall, we have been leading an effort for more of the church to gather and read the book of Colossians together. And so all of our home groups and even our in-church Bible studies, men and women's groups, are spending time in the book of Colossians. So we may be citing from it a lot this season, but let me, let me read to you this selection uh, from chapter 3. Please stand for a reading from God's Word. Verse 16 is on the screen for you, but I'm going to read the the surrounding verses, uh, 15 and 17 as well, that say this, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body, and be thankful. And now let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, word or deed, do everything in the name of our Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let me pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you, Lord, for setting this hour aside in the first part of the week to consider your invitation to come before you and to worship. Lord, I pray in this next time you would take these notes that I have and continue to stir in our hearts and minds, God, what it means to come before you and worship and what is the benefit, what is the blessing of that. Lord, I recognize this may be new for some people or, or, or for those who have been around the church a long time, kind of a mystery as well. Would you make it clear, both by my words, but mostly by your Holy Spirit, whom I trust to continue to teach us today. In your name, amen. So we are in a series, and it's called Why Worship, and it's a short three-week series, and it's foundational stuff. I really like to get into the foundations. You know, of course, you, you probably know I didn't grow up in the church, haven't always been a believer, therefore haven't always been a pastor, and so coming into the church as like an adult, I had to learn a lot of these things new, and I just try to make sure that we're all like on the same page. A couple of, uh, like earlier this year, we did a series on the Lord's Prayer, broke that out so when we say it each week, it has more meaning to us. Same thing with this series, Why Worship? Like, what are we doing in the first few minutes of the service with all the singing? Is it Christian karaoke? Because I kind of thought that when I was first coming in, and I, and I love karaoke, but it was a little weird. Um, so it's foundational stuff, and it's exploring three questions. Last week, I talked about what's with all the standing? Why do we stand? What does that mean? What signal? What is the significance of standing in church? And we gave you a little preview of that on the way in. You can hear that teaching online. Essentially, it's, you know, the, the super quick elevator speech is we stand when someone important is in the room. We stand because we recognize God's presence is here with us. You know, we, we stand um, uh, because we, what was the other one? <laughs> See, I shouldn't go off the cuff on that, right? No, we stand because we are, oh, it's a victory, right? We stand in a football game because, like, yes, our team is winning. Jesus has won, defeated death, defeated, uh, defeated sin, defeated death, and we stand out of the celebration, that victory. The third reason that we stand is we stand because it shows unity, like I'm in, 
right? You stand up because you're like, okay, I'm in. I'm in for uh, living for your kingdom, Lord. And so that's why we stand. Today, we're going to explore why we sing, why we sing. And again, I, I want to, before I get started on this, I have a guest for you uh, that's going to give us a little context to this. So I invited Linnea Miller, who is here. Uh, she is our new youth uh, leader uh, among us, but she has a, a history of worship uh, and especially camp worship that I wanted you to tell us more about. So please welcome Linnea Miller back again. <laughs> Linnea, tell us a little bit about your, your history of worship. So that's a great question. Um, I grew up in the church, going to a covenant church like this one, further west in the suburbs of Chicago, Batavia Covenant Church. And worship through music was what really drew me in as like a child of the church. I loved coming to church so that I could sing uh, whether it be like in the service or through things like vacation Bible school or at youth group or whatever, that was like what kept me coming to church. And like music in general is probably one of the ways that I connect with God the most, I think. So I started like playing instruments and was really glad when I was able like in middle and high school to start like leading others or helping to lead others in worship too because worship was always through, work, through music was always so meaningful to That's me. great, yeah. I, I called her this morning a Swiss army knife of ministry because she's got so many skills. You're like an organizer. You worked at Covenant Point Camp. You're a worship leader. You're obviously a youth leader. You're in seminary. So many gifts, right? I'm, I'm kind of envious. Tell me, uh, camp worship is known, and we have some students here, camp worship is known for being super vibrant, right? Uh, what is the difference between like Sunday morning church worship or what should we learn from camp worship experience? Yeah, something that I think we can all like learn from camp worship, if you've never been to camp, I don't know. Um, worship is slightly different there. One, because of like the duality of worship, I think. Like there's this silly part of worshiping at camp, but there's also like the serious or like the still part. Um, and I think that part of like the silliness is something that is often like not feel natural when we're trying to be like reverent to who God right. is, mm -hmm. but that's actually like part of, part of it, I think, part of like being excited about who God is. Like there's a song at camp called Undignified, which just calls us to like, Ooh, yeah. I will become even more undignified than this. Like kind of let ourselves like go a little bit and like uh, have fun worshiping too. Cause I think that's all part of how God like has created us to like have fun and to play like we do at camp as well. That's so. great. Yeah. It's entering the kingdom like a child. Remember how Jesus said that. So that's great. We're going to hear more from you, but just wanted to thank you. Welcome you to the community here. We're so thankful you're here and using your gifts in youth ministry and to the church. So thank you. Yeah, Linnea. Thank you, everyone. So you know um, that we... Uh, you know, talking about worship, we have currently a continuing search for a, a full-time worship leader. We had one. Uh, she, she departed. Uh, but so the search, and I wanted to get, before we get back into the question of the week of why worship, I wanted to give you a quick update on how the search for a new worship leader is going. Round 
One thing that that movie taught is that everyone has a song in their heart, right? So why do we sing? What, what is with all the singing in church? And, and again, this is foundational stuff for us to consider. Like, what does it mean when we get together? And why do we do all the singing? And what's with the standing and the singing? And so, again, it's, it's, it's real foundational questions that I want to give you some context for that hopefully will help you appreciate and even enter more fully into that time uh, during the service. Let me kind of roll the clock back a little bit and, and, and have you think about a time when maybe corporate singing or singing of affections is actually pretty normal. And that's at this time. Uh, whether you're a parent or all of us have been children, maybe you've had that moment or those reflections of being sung over or singing to a child. I know you know, I'm a dad. I've got five growing kids. And uh, as they were being born and babies, you know, I'd kind of invent sort of special songs for each one of them and, and hold them and sing these songs over to them. And it's really a very intimate thing. Uh, a couple of them, I still sing the song. I get a little more eye rolls now, but it's still fun. Um, you know, you sing over your child, but what are you doing that for? You're, you're doing that to connect with them. The, there's the sound of the reverb of your voice, but it's also the affection. You're singing over your children because you're, you're saying to them in language they can't even yet understand. And you're saying basically in so many words, I love you, I love you, and I'm here for you. And in, in holding that child, they can feel the words in, in a way through the song that they wouldn't be able to appreciate if you just said that, I, I love you. But singing it over them, even again using different words or lullabies or things like that, it connects them to the intimacy of that relationship in a deep way. So that's kind of where our, our experience first becomes in this sort of sense of intimacy in song. Now, it continues in a way as we get older and we start having birthdays. And who doesn't love that experience? Maybe I don't love it as much as I'm getting a little older. Everyone gathered around you like, it's your birthday. Yay. We're going to sing to you. Happy birthday. Right? And it's so fun, though the bigger the crowd is, like when your family's with you or maybe extended family or maybe you reached a special birthday um, and, and your, your larger fr friend and community is around you and they sing and it's sort of embarrassing. I don't know if you like that moment much. It's sort of embarrassing and it's sort of great, but what are they doing? Yes, they're wishing you happy birthday, but they're also expressing their love for you and saying happy birthday. We're so glad you're still alive <laughs> and, uh, and you made it right? And we, we love you and we're connecting to you. So there's an intimacy in kind of this expression of corporate singing that you experience. And, and so it's, when you get to this, you're like, okay, it's really not so weird that we would sing out in terms of affection and especially even in corporate affection. So what if, what if you're here at church and you're just not feeling it? You, you've never really gotten into it. This idea of corporate singing or singing together I can recognize that there can be some people that for the first, you know, 15 minutes of the service, you're, you're a little bit lost. It, it might be good to even confess that in your own heart or mind just to say, you know, I, actually, I don't really get it. I don't really get into it. And, uh, you know, if, what if it's just not your thing? You know, I, I think I look at that picture and I think, I, I hope she's praying. I'm, I'm sure she is. And she's not just like, God, help this time pass quickly, you know, because it's uncomfortable if you're not getting it. Or, or maybe you're one of those who don't like your voice, and, and somebody told you that once, like, oh, you're a terrible singer. I had somebody say that to me once, and I had to really shove that off. You're an awful singer. I'm like, well, maybe your ears are broken. I don't know. 
maybe you just don't feel it, and that's okay. I think it might be good just to, one, confess it and just say, you know what, I don't really get it. I don't really feel it. And maybe, Lord, if there's more for me, help. So what might you be missing, though, if you're not entering into worship, if it's not natural for you, what might you be missing out on? For that, I want to give you a definition of worship, and maybe that'll help you, you know, see kind of what the invitation is, what we're invited into. This was uh, from a book, Reaching Out Without Dumbing Down. Uh, our first service uh, organist, Ruth, is an expert in worship, and she gave me this definition. There's, there's a lot of them I could have picked from. Most of them say the same thing in different words, but this is a pretty concise one. It says, worship. Worship is meant to usher us into God's presence. Worship is meant to usher us into God's presence so that we can delight in that relationship. Worship ushers us into God's presence so we can delight in that relationship and then consequently be formed to live according to God's best purposes. Worship is meant to usher us into God's presence. Usher. I'm going to talk about that in a second. Maybe this is kind of surprising to you that there's more to it than just like, oh, worship is like singing in church. I, I think we can naturally assume that worship is like a one-directional kind of thing. That, you know, we're here and we're doing some singing and, and maybe it's kind of prayers to music and we hope that they're going up into heaven and God is, you know, have a, has a noise filter and an enough EQ to make it sound beautiful to him and he appreciates it. So we tend to think worship is one-directional, like I'm just, it's just me singing or it's just us singing to God. It's bigger than that, though. Worship is actually multi-directional. Worship is actually multi-directional. There's a lot of impact when we get together and we worship and we sing. Worship, when we do it together, actually serves to bind us together. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. Worship serves not only to bind us together as a church, but it also connects us to the bigger church. All of that stuff that's going on around town right now in various churches that are meeting under Jesus' name, around the state, around the country, around the world, as, as uh, Joy said this morning, in secret and in public, we're connecting to that. And yes, we are singing our praises to God, but it also opens up a path for Him to be able to speak into our hearts. You know, I was thinking about that idea the, the, in the definition that worship, you know, ushers us. Worship ushers us. You know, when's it, when, when do we ever use an usher? Uh, typically, when you go to some, some big event, you got a ticket, maybe, you know, and you're like, where's my seat? And the usher is like, oh, you're in, the, you're in a seat C, you know, road 35, uh, seat 5, and they walk you to your right seat. So worship, in a sense, ushers us, puts us in the right space, where we can encounter God. So what happens if I show up at big events and I, I don't let the ushers guide me? Well, typically, you probably do what I do. You might grab the first seat you come to, maybe sit in the back. Well, guess what? That's not your seat. And you might sit there for the whole event, the whole game, and you kind of feel like, I not really get into it. It's kind of up in the nosebleeds. I actually had a seat down, down front God was trying to, to, to lead you to. But instead, we kind of sit in the back and just feel sort of uncomfortable. So I'm saying that because I'm thinking, what if there's more? What if there's more to the experience of worship that, hey, maybe I'm not comfortable doing it naturally. I can certainly relate to that. But maybe we're missing out on something, being in the right seat 
so that we can have this experience with God's presence that, that helps us, that lingers with us as we go through our days and through our lives uh, in continuing form. So why do we sing? So what's the point with all the singing? As I said, it's not really just, you know, Christian karaoke. Why do we sing? Well, as we saw in the text this morning, um, earlier, that there, there's, a, the, there's a corporate sense to worship. It's a tool that, that is used in the church for teaching and admonishing, even correcting, but also keeping us together. Do you remember that? We read that. It says, let the word dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish, like encourage one another in all wisdom and with gratitude in all of your hearts. And the your there is not just an individual. It means like all y'all. With, with gratitude in all y'all's hearts, sing together is the implication here because he's writing to the church. Sing psalms, sing hymns, even sing spiritual songs to God, but do it together. Do it together. So what he's saying is that that worship, singing together, is a tool that actually helps bring us together in unity as a body, which is why, you know, sometimes churches have like these choirs or you can have this kind of sense of even a choir. Even here, we're already a choir, like we're all here and we're all contributing our voices and filling up the space. It's more than just Linnea and the team all of us are contributing our voices together, and whether you have ever been in a choir or not, there's something amazing when more than a few people get together and contribute their voices and sing together. It's something really beautiful that happens in the sound even as it reverbs. You know, we're singing the same notes-ish, and in the same key-ish, we're singing the same words, the same melodies and it draws us together as a body. We reverb, we'll resonate together. And again, each one of us contributing a little bit of our voices to this chorus that we might experience on a Sunday morning. So we sing, and it connects our hearts together. I actually think corporate worship is one of the best tools that we can use for uh, uh, encouraging people, even new people, when they come in and they see how are we worshiping together. That's, that's a good measurement or a dipstick in terms of how passionate is this church? How much do they really believe what they say they believe about God and Jesus and his promises? How is their worship? I've actually had experiences where people have come in to church and, and really didn't know a lot about God, but then in the, in the singing over from the congregation, they were, they were ministered to because it's encouraging to hear people who are filled with hope and joy and love And so there's something special that happens when a church comes together and we all contribute our voices, even the squeaky ones like mine. We we join together. There's a unity there. So so really the first of, of, of a couple of points here for you is that we sing in church to connect us together as a church. It draws us together in community when we sing together, kind of like we do with a birthday where it's grandpa's birthday, and so all of us are going to sing because we're all going to express our love. It's like that here, but in a better way because we're singing to God our Father, and we're joining our voices together and our passions. And, and as you even enter into it, and let's say you just dip your toe in and just kind of just offer a little bit of your voice and you join that choir, God will fill you in with the rest. You'll experience a unity. So maybe if it's something you haven't been comfortable with yet, Maybe you still feel like you're sitting in the back. This is one way that we can start stepping in and being in unity together, singing together as a church. Next thing, 
also from Colossians, second reason that we sing together is that it connects us to the greater story, the greater church that's happening and gathering all over the world and throughout time. Look at this, also from Colossians chapter 1, verse 6. It says, in the same way that they received the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the gospel, is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world. He wrote this, Paul wrote this to a little tiny Colossian church, by the way. He's like, hey, you guys are on fire here about this gospel, but do you realize this is going on? It's bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it is among you. Ever since the day you heard it, you truly understood the love of God, the grace of God. It's, it's so what we're doing here, and he's saying this to Colossian church, and this is connected to us too, as we're worshiping together, we are joining our voices in the great chorus of the Christian church that is worshiping God throughout the world this morning. Isn't that amazing? And, by the way, also throughout time. That's why most of the the songs and spiritual songs that we sing kind of stay on that level of glorifying God. And, and radiating with the love of Jesus and his ministry over us. That's why most of the songs are about that. There's not too many songs that are specific about doctrine, meaning like there's not really any great hymns out there about election or, you know, reading your Bible, because that's not really fun to sing about. What makes a, a, a spiritual song great is that it radiates with the love of God and the presence of his kingdom. Little, little known trivia fact for you here. In the New Testament, there are some hidden hymns, but they're kind of hidden in plain sight. They're sort of buried in the text. There's about five to seven hidden hymns in the New Testament. We're going to explore one of them at the season of uh, Advent coming up before Christmas. It's one in Colossians. Hey, there's Colossians again. But there are about four more to maybe five more hymns that are hidden in the New Testament. And the reason they think they're hidden in there is because we don't read it in the original language, right? So in reading it in the original language, there's a meter and a rhythm to these sections of Scripture that and also seems different than the other writing. They're like, I think that might be a song or a poem or something. So in other words, people have been singing their praises to God in Christ in the Christian church ever since the very beginning. It started you know, 2,000 years ago. But what's interesting is if you look up these hidden hymns, and again, we're going to explore one uh, before Christmas, is that all of them radiate with the basic idea of the gospel. God is amazing, and and Jesus has come as God's gift to, to bring us the gift of mercy and grace. All of those resonate with the the, the big story of God's love shown in Jesus, who died for our sin and was raised so that we can experience new and eternal life in him. They're all about that. Because that's been the focus of worship throughout the time. And so when we sing together here on a Sunday, we're joining that great chorus that is resonating in the land, in the world, and throughout time. Pretty amazing. So one of the reasons that we sing, another reason, is that we connect to the whole church that's under Christ. In other words, this stadium that we're singing in is a lot bigger than you think. And so when we gather and the lyrics are on the screen and the notes are being hit and we add our voices to that, we're adding to the great chorus all over the world 
and throughout time that are singing God's praises. It's also happening in heaven, by the way. We're joining that great chorus as well. So we sing to connect us to the whole church that's under Christ. This is why, uh, I don't know if you, how many of you like hymns, grew up maybe with some hymns? Some of you, okay, maybe a few, okay. Uh, what would you think is the most popular hymn of all time? Amazing Grace, how sweet that sound, yeah. Uh, how many of you prefer more, you know, spiritual songs, like contemporary worship? Maybe. What, what do you think is one of the most popular, uh, you know, uh, contemporary worship songs of all time? Oceans, oh, that's a good one. Uh, get me singing that. I'll clear the room. No. It's actually Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace is the most popular song in both charts. You can look it up. Here's the reason. Because it's so amazing. And grace is so amazing. And we can't stop singing it enough. And when we gather, especially those moments, those special moments, even a funeral, we, we got to sing it. It's like we have to. Because it connects us to the great story of God's amazing grace in Jesus Christ. So we sing it. And we sing with passion and it stirs in our hearts and people can't get enough of it. It connects us to the whole church that's under Christ. Speaking of amazing grace, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Ah, I was once lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. See, the third reason that we sing in church is because it ushers us into God's presence where we celebrate our restored relationship with him. I was a wretch. He saved me. But in singing these words back and words like this, we're allowing him access into our hearts for the purpose of forming us. Do you see the change there? I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind. I couldn't see but now I can see. So in singing these songs, in, in worshiping together, what we're doing is in a way that we can't do with our intellect and just our mere words, we're actually opening our hearts to say, God, will you help me learn how to live as a found person, how, how to live as one who can see who was once blind, when we sing, we're opening our, our hearts, because that's what music does, it opens our hearts and says, God, will you help me learn how to live in a way that is for you? Which brings us back to this great moment here, which whether you have had this as a parent or enjoying it now, or we've all been the kid, and hopefully we were loved that way that we were sung over and expressed over, it takes us back to that moment where I maybe as the dad was, you know, singing over my child and I delighted when they kind of cooed back. But you think about it from God's perspective and he just wants to hold us. He just wants to cradle us. He wants time with us. And it's so sweet when, when, when your child, when the baby like kind of starts to try to sing back to you and they make those little noises or those little spit sounds. You're like, ah, right? That might be what our singing sounds to God, like little spit sounds. But he, he'll take it. He'll take it. Because he wants that intimacy with you. He wants that space. He wants that time with you. See, when you sing, even with your scratchy little voice like mine, 
God's saying, I hear you, I hear you. And he's going to start singing over you as well. I love you. That's why I sent my son to forgive you so we can have this new relationship. Come, let me teach you. Let me teach you how to live and how to love and how to enjoy, how to be fruitful. See, God, we sing in our worship to connect to God and to better understand his will for us. I have been so shaped as I've learned to give myself over to worship. Yeah, I was the guy sitting in the back too, like, I don't want to sing. This is kind of weird. But as I've entered into over the years, opening myself up more and more to just adding my voice to the chorus, I feel like God has used those times to speak to me. It'll be in weird ways, like maybe there's part of a lyric of a song that I'll carry over during the week and it just kind of keeps spinning in my head. I'm like, God, what are you saying to me? Or it might be a theme that I pick up in, in various songs where I'm like, gosh, he's really speaking to me. I know I was thinking about a season, I was a pretty new believer, um, and words like this, and, and maybe you, you know this song, uh, it was like, Lord, I come to you, let my heart be changed, and let it be renewed, flowing from the grace that I found in you. Lord, I've come to know the weaknesses that I see in me that will be stripped away by the power of your love. And God was speaking to me. He was like, I got you. I got you. We're working on this. He's still working on me today. So how's God speaking to you? Do you feel like you don't ever hear him much? Try opening yourself up in worship. Say, Lord, here I am. I'm singing to you. And let him sing back his sweet song into your heart. Now, we want to practice what we preach. So we're going to spend some time in worship now. Linnea is going to come up and lead us. I'm going to pray. That, and again, especially for those of us who are here, that this is kind of new, maybe kind of weird. But that we'd accept that invitation to join that great chorus and really experience God's presence here with us now. Father, I thank you. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this time you set aside for us to consider your word, that invitation you extended to all of us to come to know you. Lord, I pray that by our worship right now, as we each join our voices, that you would do something extraordinary. Bring us together in unity. And whether we know each other intimately from years or we're new here, God, would you just bring us together in a, in a, in a unity, in a fellowship that doesn't exist anywhere else? Because it's by our love for you, God, that we would know that we're your followers. And then, Father, would you encourage us to know that as we sing, we are joining that great chorus of churches all over this town and this region, and this state, this nation, this world, and throughout time that are lifting their voices to get to know you, to celebrate your love. And then, Father, as we worship, as we speak and sing these words out to you, God, we need to hear from you. Would you sing back over us your great love song for each one of us? Teach us. Form us. Thank you, God, that you're so good. We praise you in Jesus' name.